Welcome to the Lead and Follow podcast. I'm your host, Sharna Fabiano, author of the book, Lead and Follow. And I'm pleased to bring you the latest research, insights, and educational techniques in the emerging field of followership to help you connect and collaborate better with the people around you, whether you're leading or following. Please do leave us a review in your favorite podcast app, and thanks so much for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Carrie Dominic, a physical therapist with a specialty in pelvic health. Carrie and I met in a local group for small business owners almost five years ago when we both had moved to Long Beach around the same time. Carrie treats a lot of athletes in her practice, and she's an athlete herself. And so I asked her today to chat with me about the dynamics of collaboration on her volleyball team and how the players lead and follow one another while they're actually playing a game. Carrie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Sharna. Thanks for having me. Uh, I can't believe we've known each other for so long until I saw that written. <laughs> Time flies. I know. I know. <laughs> Five years, right? Goes goes very quickly. Before we dive into volleyball, Carrie, I, I want you just to give listeners a little sense of your background, you know, where you're coming from so that they can appreciate your insights a little bit more. Yeah. So I'm a physical therapist. I've been a physical therapist for like 15 years now and we're not talking exactly about physical therapy today but I've played sports like my whole life and so I probably started playing volleyball like in middle school and then after high school I just play it like recreation league so like for fun but it's competitive um since that's kind of going to be like our our topic today. Thank you for that and for listeners who don't know and actually for me too could you just if you know this sounds really basic, kind of give us the, the formal structure of how a volleyball team works. Yeah. So mostly I play indoor volleyball while pre-pandemic. So there's six people on a team and you all have a certain role on the team. Like some people are hitters. There's one setter. Um, and it depends. Like in the front row, you're a hitter. In the back row, you're like a defensive player. Um, so roles are kind of fluid, but you have like a specific role on the team. And then, you know, depending where if you're front row or back row, like you go to a certain spot on the court and you, yeah, you play a certain role within the team and the game. That makes a lot of sense. Just out of curiosity, are there, like, is there a formal single leader in this team or is each role kind of defined kind of in and of itself? Mm, That's a good question. So I would say on a volleyball team, the setter is kind of like, who you look to as the leader on the court, because basically in volleyball, you have three touches before the ball has to go over the net. So ideally you want the setter to always get the second ball. So they're kind of the leader on the court, but it's a very fluid, you know, as far as lead, lead and follow, it's very fluid moment by moment. But if you had, if you had to pick a leader, that's probably the person because then they're choosing like which hitter they're going to set it to. So they kind of have a lot of leadership roles, like in the game. That makes sense. Yeah. That that makes sense in, in terms of how I think of leadership, which is a little bit like setting things up, you know, literally like setting, you know, (laughs) the setter or making a decision about like, okay, how is this particular play going to go? But I, I love that you said it's very fluid. And of course, that's like my interest is exploring what, what those dynamics are beyond these sort of formal positions. So maybe you could just talk a little bit more about how you experience that fluidity, like among those six people. In volleyball, I think of it as a lot of collaboration mm-hmm. and communication, which is important to any 
probably like leader follower pairing. Totally, totally. We're taught a lot from an early age, like to talk to each other. So like to say the name of the person who it's going to or say me if it's coming to me so people know. So I don't know, I guess that falls into leadership at the moment, right? Mm-hmm. And then maybe the teammates are the followers if if there's a definition to it. Um, so they're telling you or they're telling you like it's in or it's out or it's short or it's long or it's hard or it's a tip. Um, so a lot of communication between people. But then let's say like the ball comes to me and I'm trying to get it to the setter. So then I go from leader in that one moment, I guess, to follower, right? Mm-hmm. And then the setter is going to set the hitters. And so often the other teammates are telling the hitter like, oh, you have a blocker or try to hit to this spot. So it's very like moment by moment, who's the leader, who's the follower. But it's a lot of a lot of communication, which is probably, you know, what we need in leadership and follow followership in other scenarios. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I, I I love the example of just naming, you know, where it is, because that's such a visceral, clear example of like essential communication, you know, like where is the ball? That's what we need to know. And, you know, sometimes in like a work environment, even that seems hard. Like, can we just name the thing that is happening? Right. Yeah. But I, I want to kind of highlight a little what you're saying about how the lead and follow switches as as you, you know, name, okay, it's coming to me, but now I'm sending it to the setter. So then the setter is like, you know, the leader, but then the hitter is maybe going to be the leader after that to kind of move the ball around, like literally, so to speak. Yeah. And the role of communication seems to me like a super supportive. Like it's something, of course, everyone needs to do. And it's almost maybe hard to say like, okay, who's leader and a follower as you're all like naming these things. Um, but it seems like it, that is essential like role of support in order to elevate like whoever is going to be the leader, whoever is going to be managing the ball in any given moment. I mean, how do you respond to that? Does that, am I kind of reading your description well? Yeah, I think that's a perfect interpretation. The leader, so to speak, is the person that's going to contact the ball, right? But like Mm -hmm. the people around them giving them cues or hints, right, Mm -hmm. is like super important and helpful in the game. You know, I think another example is like when it's the hitter's turn, the people who are like not hitting are trying to tell them like where to hit, where Mm. the other players aren't. So, you know, because they're focusing on the ball at the moment. So it's very, yeah, very collaborative, very, very supportive. And I think, yeah, those supportive roles, those follower per se roles are like super important to, yeah, to elevate the game, like you said, because yeah, without that, like, yes, you can play the game but it's much more responsibility on you and yeah it's helpful to have help from your teammates to give you hints and like help the game go smoother yeah I think that's a great just like a little lesson you know to almost carry into other environments whether they're work or family or really anywhere is you know we sometimes I think stereotypically think oh the leader or the one with the ball or the one with the decision they're just like on their own you know it's their job to do the thing and everyone else is just quiet or passive or steps back. And maybe that's, you know, appropriate sometimes, but I appreciate how you said from an early age, you were taught to communicate, right. And to do this sort of supportive action to make sure the person with the ball knows, okay, here's where you want to put it. Here's what's coming. Like you have all the information you need to kind of 
you know, take the best shot or <laughs> make the next best move. And although perhaps that, you know, can, maybe this is another question for you. <laughs> like, is that ever too much? Like, is that, does that ever get overwhelming? A couple of things. I think the more you play with people, the better you get at communication, right? Which mm-hmm. we can probably translate that to any teamwork, right? Office, sure. family, whatever, relationships. Um, so I think that's normal. It's like, yeah, as you play together more, you get better. And that's why sports teams practice a lot. So they mm-hmm. have all those <laughs> basics down. So when it comes to competition, you know each other. And so like when I played with the same people for a long time, we kind of knew like who's a little more aggressive, like who's better at this particular spot. But your other question, so sometimes it can be too much communication, right? If you're both looking at the ball, but not looking at each other, this happens. Sometimes teammates will collide. But, Mm. you know, in the sports world, we always think like that's better than neither person going for the ball and the ball dropping. I mean, that will happen on occasion. Just everyone's in the moment and it's loud or the gym is loud or you're just like so focused that you kind of tune out other people which I'm sure there's a lot of parallels to other situations (laughs) with that. Um, But as far as sports go, you know, people are happier about that. Like your teammates will be happier if you mess up because you're both going for it versus like looking at each other and nobody like literally letting the ball drop. (laughs) Um, So yeah, there's probably some translations to other other parts of life. Yeah, no, I did want to ask about, you know, like how you get good at this this kind of supportive communication or naming things or calling out, you know, positions or locations. Is there a way you get good at it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it is like anything else. It's practice, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're not just born. We don't just go to a job being good communicators, but you're coached this way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember like first starting out to play volleyball and it was like, you start with the basics, like you say me if I'm going to get it, right? Mm-hmm. And you're also taught, like, don't say you, but try to say someone's name. Right. It's more specific. So kind of start with the basics. And then as you get more advanced, you learn to, to say more things. Like, is the ball in? Is the ball out? Is it, um, where is it on the court? So it, it's like any other skill. Like, over time, you you build more and better communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I think a, a part of it is again, like any other sort of relationship or teamwork, um, getting to know your teammates and how they respond. Um, because there are some people that like respond better to like more louder, bigger. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there's some people that don't respond well to that. They get intimidated. So I think that's sort of like fine tuning it as you, you know, as you get better at the skill and then learning more about the people around you and how they respond to it. You know, some of these things sound really obvious, but I (laughs) I still find they're so important to remember. Collaborating in a sports environment or somewhere else is, you you have to customize it to the people that you're with, right? You have to get to know them, you know, at least a little bit, you know, to the extent that you can, and that will change how you talk to them, right? And there's so there's no like magic formula so to speak other than like get to know the people you're working with you know and be open to maybe a variety of volumes or timings or 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 whatnot and now I know I can definitely imagine taking that into a professional environment or even like a client relationship with where your first job is to get to know the person you're you're working with and figure out what kind of language works for them I think about these things too, as I'm saying them, I think about, yeah, like working with clients, like it's individualized how I communicate to them and then working with my team and my staff and like 
I was thinking about that with the like letting the ball drop versus overlap. You know, it's like mm-hmm. sometimes with my team, my staff team, I want, I'd rather we overlap and like two people are working on the same project versus no one working on it, you know? So, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. These, these are basic concepts, but I'm like, oh, yeah, they, they translate to exactly like my work too. Yeah. And I think that's sometimes not counterintuitive in, at work and, you know, not to kind of, get too far from the the volleyball court here, but I think, you, you know, you are someone who you can make those connections very easily. So I uh, love to hear, you know, even more about how you think about that. Like at, at work, what, what I was saying is um, what I hear a lot anyway, from, you know, from my coach clients is that there's sometimes in, in an office environment, a kind of culture where you're like, just I'm just doing my stuff and I'm not like looking beyond, you know, my own small little sphere. And I think sometimes there the ball can drop, right? Because everyone else thinks someone else is doing it and then nothing happens. And so that's probably in most environments less desirable than both people trying to do something and maybe, you know, there being some misunderstanding. I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts on that, on that, how it translates into work? Yeah. I mean, a couple of things, I think with my staff and my team, Mm -hmm. sometimes I would get annoyed at first, like, why are you guys both working on this? But then Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, there's two different perspectives. Like there's probably a better outcome. Yeah. And then when I work with clients, I feel like I always feel like I over communicate like, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is what I'm finding. This is your homework. And like, have them repeat it back to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes I feel like it's like over communicating, but then I've realized like my clients will leave and be like, they can repeat back to me like the main points. And I'm like, perfect. That's what I want. They like understood. We communicated well. So yeah, I guess what I feel like in the volleyball team and in work is like over communication is better than under. And that probably is true for most situations. So Carrie, you've just thrown out a ton of really interesting things, I think, about how volleyball team members communicate and collaborate together. I wonder if you have any examples of plays or moments that are coming coming to mind that illustrate this sort of leader-follower exchange or fluidity, maybe like more clearly in your mind. One of the things I really picture is like, yeah, when the other team's hitting the ball at you and you're like trying to be there to like play the ball. Right. And then I feel like it's so helpful when your teammates are like telling you like it's in or it's out. Right. Cause sometimes you don't know where the lines of the court are, but you're looking at the ball. Right. So they're kind of looking at the surroundings and they're helping you with that. So I feel like that's a good example of like where like the leader follower and the communication and collaboration like is super helpful. Like, you know, you have one focus and then they're kind of checking out the surroundings and helping support you. Yeah, that sounds so valuable. And just imagining if I were, you know, working on a team project, like say we're trying to, I don't know, develop a website, right? And I'm like in charge and my teammates are like, oh, by the way, you know, here's a here's a parameter you need to be aware of. You need to make sure you include this, you know, and we can't do that. And I'm like, oh, okay. So now I have all this information that my team supplied to me. Now I can execute the thing and it'll be more successful. Uh, That just makes so much sense to me. And, you know, next week it's somebody else could be leading a different project. And then, you know, I could be the one, you know, providing those parameters or those, you know, kind of safety notes for the other person. Uh, I love that. And I think it's super translatable. 
Any other thoughts coming up? Things that for you are like really key and you know how you work together? Yeah, I think the other like big example I think of on the volleyball court is like when someone's going to hit the ball, then the other teammates are like surrounding them in case they get blocked to like hopefully pick up the defense. Mm. But also at the same time telling them like how to hit around the block or where to hit in an open court. So again, just that like supportive communication collaboration. And I like the word that you used in your, your example of like being more successful, right? Like that's the goal on the volleyball court. And then obviously that's the goal at like work or life or whatever else it's like. So that collaboration, that communication is just helping everyone to be more successful. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm, just going to show my ignorance here of <laughs> volleyball and team sports in general. But, you know, when I thought of having this conversation, I, I thought we would talk about roles, right? Like you'd said at the beginning, there's some setters, there's, there's the hitters, you know, I'm like, okay, that I understand. And they probably <laughs> maybe switch leading and following a little But This piece that you keep emphasizing here about the, the communication, the support and the verbalizing of key points of data that I had no idea that was happening. <laughs> and it, it just, you know, I'm delighted by it because it strengthens, you know, my conviction that because that's a, a followership role, right? That's very much like a followership skill that sort of informing, supporting, like adding details, having the other person's back, like guarding them, showing them, you know, giving them a little bit more uh, information about where to go. That in my mind anyway, is very much like a supportive follower sort of action. And that seems so key, like so important to the success of a team. And I don't think you see that from the outside necessarily if you're watching uh, a volleyball game, right? You just see like the movement. Yeah. You don't hear necessarily like all these subtleties, no, or even if you do, you might not, or I'll speak for myself. I might not <laughs> understand, you know, like what they're saying, but uh, I really appreciate how you've highlighted that and kind of proved to us how, again, this invisible like follower support role is so important foundational yeah I think that is again going back to what you said earlier that's like the key to success mm -hmm. is everyone supporting whoever has the ball there's like one other thing that came to mind when you were saying that and you'll see this like in all kind of team sports like football basketball volleyball depending on what's happening on the other side of the court or like at different moments in the game like people know where to go. So you have a certain place on the court that you go. And I think that's another key piece to this like collaboration leadership followership is like, you're trusting your teammates to be in their spot mm -hmm. so that you can cover your area. Right. And like, right. That makes sense. And you're trusting them to be in their spot. And so when that goes wrong, you'll see like people getting mad at each other. Mm. Why weren't you covering your spot? You went to the wrong spot, but when it goes really well, it almost to me feels like a dance. Like mm -hmm. people just like move to where they go and they move back to where they go on the next play. And it's very like fluid and it like, it's just very smooth when it works well, but when it mm -hmm. doesn't work well, then you'll see like teammates getting mad at each other. So yeah, again, back to just like followership is so important. Like you're trusting your teammates to be where they're supposed to be so that you can play your spot, right? So yeah, that makes sense. It's like in any team, again, work 
home, you know, wherever a community, like you take responsibility for a certain area, right? Whether that's a physical space or mm-hmm. like a part of work or something. And and then your your teammates, your I trust you to do that. And so that again, under glorified perhaps piece of just taking that responsibility for your area is a foundational, right? And when it, as you just said, right, if that doesn't happen, it's like you've removed a brick, you know, from the house and things just start falling apart. I wonder if there are any other examples of things going wrong, like not to dwell on the going wrong, but just just to maybe illustrate like why this is so important. So I played a lot of co-ed volleyball in my adult years and Mm -hmm. males are definitely like usually more dominant, right? But there's still like this, this fluidity to the, to where you are in the court and how you play. And I remember these one male, one female on our team. So also in volleyball, you like, you're always next to the same people. So you like mm-hmm. rotate. And so like the whole game, you're by the same people. And so the girl's a good player. She was like a collegiate athlete, but she was intimidated by this like really dominant male. Mm-hmm. And to the point like she didn't want to play anymore after the season was over once. So I think of that as like a, a time when communication goes wrong. He was over communicating and like over dominant or like maybe too much leadership, right? If we're using those terms. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe she was too passive, you know, but they just like didn't, they didn't work well next to each other. So maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, as teammates, maybe we should have changed the lineup so they weren't next to each other or something. So there's a couple of places where that broke down and didn't, didn't work well. In what ways did that impact like the, the performance of the team? he was a good player and he was really dominant. So the team as a whole did well, but sort of off the court, like Mm -hmm. she would, she would complain and she would be annoyed. And then, yeah, at the end of the season, like she didn't want to play anymore. So Mm. kind of in the big picture, it didn't work. So like in the short term, like each game, it was Mm -hmm. fine from the outside appearance, right? It seemed fine, but in the bigger picture, it was a big problem. So it just reminds me of the sustainability question, which is up a lot right now in terms of companies mm-hmm. in every industry. I think, you know, there's been previously this bias towards short-term gain, which sometimes compromises relationships, you know? And so now we're seeing a lot of people leaving their jobs, right? And not coming back or, you know, dissatisfaction. And I think that speaks a little bit to the long-term, right? So your example is, okay, maybe in the short-term, it seemed okay, you know, the team did, you know, quote, unquote, well, Um, meaning they won, but, you know, they lost a player or they risked losing a player, which is like in the long term, pretty bad. Um, And that's, I think, similar to what we're seeing now when people are starting to think more about long-term sustainability. What do I really want for my job? Like the relationships matter a lot more. It's not just about the money. You're just about winning the next contract. Exactly. I think that's, yeah, a perfect example. And so, you know, maybe as the team leader, like we should have change the rotation to make it, you know, like mm-hmm. make it, make it sustainable for everyone. Right. Maybe the the bigger picture of the team failed at that part. Like, mm-hmm. so kind of going back to the work example, it's like if two coworkers are colliding or clashing, it's like, maybe we can switch their roles. So everyone's successful and feels like they contribute. Right. I think that's really kind mm-hmm. of what it came down to is she felt like she wasn't contributing or she wasn't getting enough like time being the the leader touching the ball, right? Mm -hmm. She just always felt like overshadowed by this other player. We've talked about this a little bit already, Carrie, but is there anything else that you've taken from 
your, your experience with team sports into your business or into your client work that you want to share with listeners? You know, only in this past year have I had staff and like a business team. So that's like been a new role for me to learn how to be the leader in that. I think of it in the same ways as the volleyball team or like how I work with my clients. It's um, like I try to over communicate to them and then also always like asking for feedback because they have different skills than me and different tasks. I guess to me, like the whole point of this conversation, which I didn't expect it to go this way either, but a lot of communication and collaboration. And I feel like that just kind of keeps people open to sort of preventing breakdown in the relationship. You can pass on this question if you want, but since it we, we've it's come up so much and it's been this sort of thread, you know, through the conversation, there are a lot of ways to communicate, right? And they're not all effective. So I wonder, you know, when you think of taking that so seriously and making it a priority in your sports life and in your business, what do you mean by communication or over communicating? You know, what are you expressing that you really want to prioritize? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it is verbal, right? Mm -hmm. So like how we talked about, like on the volleyball court, it's like Mm -hmm. talking to each other, telling them things that they might not see Mm -hmm. because they're focused on one thing. So with clients, yeah, sometimes it's, it's learning. It's again, back to the same thing as volleyball. Like Mm -hmm. what words do I use that this person understands, right? And in physical therapy, it's a lot of demonstration, which Mm -hmm. sometimes I'm like, oh, I I can show you more than I can, better than I can explain. But Mm -hmm. I also try to explain to clients like what what I'm seeing is the problem based on like what I'm testing, what I'm seeing from them, and then trying to like verbalize that back to them so they understand. Yeah. And then with my team, same thing. It's like we have sort of a, ta- a like a email or like a shared document of tasks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's like verbal communication, like what does this mean? Or like feedback, like is this what you're asking for? So I think a lot of it's verbal to me. Mm-hmm. I guess I think of obviously with clients, a lot of it is visual. I'm getting feedback from them. Like, are you doing the exercise right? What What is the breakdown in the exercise that's causing mm-hmm. pain or in movement, right? But I think a lot of it comes back to being able to verbalize to them or to my team at work or my teammates in volleyball, like what's happening, like what we're seeing. You know, I think speaking is our main way of communicating in in, in most realms, uh, at least the way that we've set up our society. But it's it's worth being mindful about that and like, what are we using our words for, right? Are they to like name a location or to clarify a task or request rather than just like talking, you know, for the, for the sake of talking? Yeah. Cause I think it does matter, right? It does matter. And there's a common experience, I think in like meetings, right. Where we just sort of talk and talk and talk in circles and like nothing happens, but what are we really trying to communicate? And I think you've given a good examples here with the, even the volleyball is like, name the person, right? Like, where are you going? You know, that those, those journalistic essentials, like who, what, where, when, uh, and, you know, being responsible, like with our language, I think also when we're working in a a professional team, you know, like, what are we doing together? When does it need to happen? You know, things like that really make a difference and help us, you know, feel comfortable and be successful as well. So we weren't planning on talking about that, but I think (laughs) it's a really great reminder, you know, as we start the year, this is the first episode of the the 2022 year. So thank you for highlighting that. 
And Carrie, I want you to, you know, give you some time here to share anything else you'd like about your physical therapy practice. I know you not only work locally in person with people, but you have various online offerings. So how can people find out more about that? Yeah, my business is called Recharge Therapy, and that's our website, Recharge Therapy. So yeah, majority of my work is in person, but I do offer virtual consults. And so my specialty is pelvic health, which is like helping people with pelvic pain, painful sex, bladder issues, the things we don't talk about in in life. And so I always tell people like, virtual consults. We're not looking at anything. We're just talking. (laughs) Um, But if I'm treating someone for like, you know, a knee injury or back injury, like, yes, sometimes we'll do virtual consults, like with video to look at movement. Yeah. And then I tried to create a lot of online programs, a lot of them aimed at moms. That's like a huge portion of my population and getting them back to fitness, you know, getting them prepared for birth, getting them recovered after birth. You know, I think that's a lot of my clients is like, I had a baby, my body went through all these changes. Like I want to go back to fitness, right? So it might not be team sports, but it might be some sort of fitness. Yeah. So I have some like online programs and then hopefully soon we might have a virtual option of a functional movement class series. Well, thank you so much. And I will put all of Carrie's information in the show notes, rechargetherapy.com. She has some wonderful online courses there. I'd encourage you to check them out. Uh, Carrie, thank you again for sharing your insights from the volleyball court. Uh, I think there are fabulous metaphors there for all of us. So thank you once again. And I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you for having me. You have been listening to the Lead and Follow podcast. Special thanks to Glover Gill for composing our music. And thank you to all of our subscribers. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting the show with a paid subscription. And if your team or organization is interested in followership training, please reach out anytime. I'd love to help.